take two is on air and I know I front like it's live maybe I'm practicing for that level up heard that's what smart folks do spa talk amongst us ladies some see value in the fake it till we make it let me digress a sec because today is sort of about relationships reconnecting post-pandemic ladies wouldn't it be easier exciting more fun if you just show him guide him teach him how to get you to outer space bounds than to just lie there and sound like he tapping that ass right just saying <clears throat> like i said in trailer teasers i am not in this for a lot of digital love just to give voice to some of the shit we only converse amongst ourselves about what do i mean by that we tend to be most forthright with our feelings with those with whom we feel most comfortable don't we we got to talk about COVID, the aftermath of a pandemic i think we'll be dealing with COVID from henceforth and evermore ish just managing it more effectively because we've managed to figure some some of it out by trial and a shitload of error why do i say that it got too out of control for too long in this country and you know what the person or persons singly responsible are is still a free man who has not been held accountable but that's not what i want to focus on right now i mean for those of us who got vaxxed we're feeling kind of freed up to do some shit we haven't been able to do be around people we haven't been able to be around i got kind of depressed after getting vaxxed why i am a black woman facing realization i'm not going to get the fairy tale life reserved for the more fortunate women what you talking about rachel you remember arnold and i'm telling my age here my gen fellow generation xers arnold played by the late gary coleman from different strokes voice dvr digression he played in an episode or two of good times too i hear y'all i hear some of y'all no rachel look at russell and sierra beyonce and jay-z them badass black females getting down like that hmm yeah maybe how many got of us got passed over though you know better yet what is the real price for living the good no week best life working out 24 hours a day seven days a week for a hottie body having a shit load of cheddar aka money and net worth through the stratosphere just so there's no mistake or miscalculation of what i bring to the table what if it's jump change i have been busting my ass and legally since i was 15 years old the shit i've had to endure is so much and so putrid i can't record it all it's been flushed I lost a good man too soon due to illness and haven't, haven't remarried by choice. Confessional digression. Want to know a secret? I chose it anyway. I knew I'd lose my husband early, intuitively. 
chose the path anyway because he was a good human being. Did I have options? When I am open, absolutely. There was a period where I was only attracting younger men. And it's true that age group, <clears throat> and you know, we'll be keeping it real on my show, tends toward only want sex, physicality, relationship status. Not all, I have to add that caveat, not all, but you know, the majority tends to flux that way. Okay, I'm down for casual plaything, let's just be friends with benefits, but Oh wait, my candy kind of addictive and love potency made made them run like rabbits. Cheaper, less quality sweets, you know, no offense, comes without overwhelming urge to fall in love guarantee. So there's that. Yes, I am tooting my own horn, wink wink. I have been asking myself, why is the black woman still to this day, whether overt or covertly, Perceived as lesser than, to and by some. Notice I said by some, not all. We're good for workhorse, workhorse causes. Hell, we are stellar when it comes to doing hard shit nobody else wants to. Got a big old fucked up to the max mess needs a fixin'? Get a black woman. Light switch on digression. Ever notice that TSA officers and screeners are largely non-white? Or is it just me? <laughs> I'm, sure, <coughs> I'm sure some of you will come at me with some stats and say, Oh no, no, our hiring practices, we practice equity across the board, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying what I've noticed when I walk through the airports and have flown in, uh, as recently as last summer. Not so much for fairy tale life on Easy Street, no drama, state USA. And if we are under consideration, and I'm going back to my original point of the black woman being perceived as lesser than by some, not all. Um, if we are under consideration, it is always with stipulation to become flawless beauties with indisputable resumes of life accomplishments glossed over by impeccable family lineages no drama the fuck my paternal grandparents love story is perhaps the only source i have of a black woman being leveled up by her man and when we come back i'll share that story with you Hi, I'm Rochelle Walensky. I'm the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I am here today to answer questions about adolescent vaccine eligibility. Adolescents between the ages of 12 to 15 can get the vaccine and should roll up their sleeves and do so. Absolutely, the FDA and CDC have done rigorous review of the data and it is definitely safe for 12 to 15 year olds. The vaccine is extremely effective for this eligible population, just as effective as it is for the older population. Yes, please get your child vaccinated. It's really important for kids also to get vaccinated, not only because they can get sick themselves, but they can be asymptomatic carriers and bring it home so that other people who are more vulnerable can get sick from them. We generally study adults first, and then we do um, subsequent studies in children, and so it takes a little bit longer for the younger age ranges.
12 to 15 year olds can get vaccinated at their pharmacies, they can get vaccinated with their pediatricians, they can get vaccinated at FEMA mass sites as well as FEMA local sites and mobile vans. Um, and we're working to get kids able to be vaccinated in their schools as well. You should get vaccinated to protect yourself. You should get vaccinated to protect your family and your friends. And you should get vaccinated to protect your entire community. Get vaccinated. Bring your sweet love and bring it all home to me. Yeah. 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 So welcome back. Um, I hit the pause to go hydrate and I call my um, breaks hydrate breaks because I champion um, making sure that we drink plenty of waters um, versus some of the other drinks of choice. Um, and I do still indulge in those drinks of choice. <laughs> but welcome back. Um, and so my grandparents story, my paternal grandparents story. Grandpa was Navy and he met my grandma in a local store. He saw her, liked what he saw, and tried to holla. Um, what my grandma saw was this loud white man and back in those days that meant nothing but trouble. So she runs all the way back to the house she was sharing with one of her sisters, my great aunts at the time. She told um, my great aunt Bertha about the loud white man she just, you know, saw in stores staring at her. When Aunt Bertha told her to describe him, which my grandma was able to do with notable preciseness, Aunt Bertha exclaimed, That ain't no white man, that's red back from the Navy. Rest, as they say, was history. Red, as my grandpa was affectionately called by everybody who knew him, was a fair-skinned black man from South Carolina. His family rejected my grandmother for being too dark. Um, my grandpa's family were passers, and these are black people during that time period who were so light, not even white people could tell they were not white or optimistic and for white which got them advantages in society unavailable to blacks at that time um my grandpa married my grandma despite his family's disapproval and bought the home she lived in till until she died um they you know both stayed together for upwards of 30 40 years he always treated her well provided for her and all her seven children two of which were not his own she was married before to a deadbeat when my uncles and aunts got older he told my grandma now that the children were of age and she'd been sort of confined to the home raising them and looking after the house he wanted to honor her and sent her on trips some he went with Others, all expenses paid with her and my Aunt Bertha or Aunt Helen or another close family friend. Their marriage wasn't perfect, but the stories, both good and bad, she shared with me told of a man who absolutely adored her. 
Ironically, Grandpa's mother got very sick and none of her children were looking after her. My grandma did until she died. Funny. The very one his family thought was not good enough was the same person who treated them with dignity, love, and care when they needed it most. In turn, my grandpa provided for grandma and gave her all the love his folks would not all the days of his life. My grandmother did not ever want for anything, even when times were tough in the early years of their marriage. Right after he bought the house for her, he found extra work where he could, which sometimes meant his being away for days and weeks at a time. They made it work. He valued my grandma, this brown-skinned, curvy woman. From time to time, grandpa would lose a job. You see, because some of these boss men couldn't tell my grandpa was actually black. He got those better paying construction or contract gigs. He was a sheetrocker, reserved for white men only. On occasion, if it was in the neighborhood, my grandma would bring lunch to him. Or as they said back then, run, run lunch out to him. When the, <coughs> when the boss would excuse me, see my grandma and grandpa together, they assumed a white man had the nerve to be with a black woman and out in the open with it. He get fired. My grandma said whenever it happened, he just laugh and go find another gig. Didn't change anything for him, especially his love for my grandma. Guess my point is this. A black woman's value is all too often influenced, not determined by society. It's perception of us, media stereotyping us. It is within our relationships that we seek affirmation of that inherent worth. I imagine my grandma <coughs> struggled after failure of her first marriage with that for a while. Until she met my grandpa, who was able to confirm what she already knew. She was a worthy woman and deserved everything that he could give her. And far more that he could not, but damned if he did not die trying. My grandma did not ever remarry. Back in two. Need to lose weight? Can't figure out why those diets won't work for you? Get Golo. Golo is the smart weight loss solution that works. Go to golo.com where over 1 million people just like yourself have found Golo and the answer to a new and better way to lose weight. This is not only a weight loss journey, this is a complete transformation mentally and physically. So many people have changed their lives and lost the weight with the help of Golo. Why shouldn't you? Want to lose 60 pounds? How about 100 pounds? You can, and Golo will give you the incredibly effective tools to do it. I have found how healthy and happy life can be, and I'm doing it all with Golo. Golo is not hard, it's easy, and it will change your life. Go to golo.com, that's G-O-L-O.com, to find the answer to a new and better way to lose weight. Christmas time comes but once a year. Ooh, I'm happy and the kids are happy too. It'll take the next six months to pay the bills. If you're trying to think about it, it gives me chills. But I don't 
So where is my head right now? I'm where my grandma was after her first marriage, struggling with my own value and worthiness. There are times when I thought I was at my absolute peak, giving my best and something or someone would cross paths that pissed on that reality, which always seems to set us back at square one, doesn't it? I mean, we may not even be aware of it. It's mental most often, but we revert back to that questioning of ourselves and our value until a new circumstance or happenstance evolves. This too shall pass. I am not a casual dater, never have been. Even in high school, I preferred boyfriends. Ain't that saying about Southern sisters? You start liking somebody and you go out and that turns into exclusive and so on. I've been a widow for 10 years. It doesn't bother me that I'm not remarried. What bothers me is that at 51 years old, I am questioning my value. Not certain what it is or how to measure it because I do not have children or significant others outside of siblings and cousins and such struggling with navigating their own paths. I think I said in the trailer tease that the pandemic had me like so over myself. Maybe not so much. I have lived much of my life making myself agreeable, lovable, amenable, so other people important to me could be stronger, setting the example, trailblazing, pioneering. Sometimes it has worked, other times it hasn't. Mostly I would expend all of my energies leaving myself on empty with no reserve guess that's why after several years of grieving, I moved to California to push myself, see how far I might go if I focused on me for a change. Then life had me refocus once again on family and expending, emptying so that those I love could be stronger. What happens from here? It's yet to be determined. But know what? If you're not going to add to someone's life, don't bother checking in or looking. Troll not for an injury. Don't even cop a peep, peek, whatever you want to call it. If all you're looking is to get. I'm always innately seeking to give. Seriously, whenever I meet someone or connect with someone or see people, I am trying to constantly always think give what do i have to give that would change the day the moment for this person and many of those acts of kindness no one will ever know except for you know whatever higher power you believe in and i only, i believe there's only one and maybe that is the caveat too few of us givers way too many getters Real revolutionaries understand good is never good enough. Imagining, challenging, pushing beyond the expected to realize the impossible. Because to achieve greatness once is not the end of the journey. 
is only the beginning. Introducing the next all-electric super truck. The revolutionary GMC Hummer EV SUV. Ladies and gentlemen, Elon Musk! It's an honor to be hosting Saturday Night Live. I mean that. Sometimes after I say something, I have to say I mean that. <laughs> so people really know that I mean it. That's because I don't always have a lot of international variation in how I speak, <laughs> which I'm told makes for great comedy. I'm actually making history tonight as the first person with Asperger's to host SNL. Or at least the first to admit it. <laughs> so I won't make a lot of eye contact with the cast tonight. But don't worry, I'm pretty good at running human in emulation mode. So you're listening to another look take two, and thank you for joining in or whenever you connect up on your favorite podcast platform. We are available another look take two. Just do that search on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, um, and a host of others. So where you like to listen to your podcast, just do that search. Um, if you don't find us, reach out, um, visit us on, on the show's social media page at another look take two at Mastodon dot online um, for those who aren't into moving from the mainstream social media sites that we are not on um, you can email the show and um, that email address I will offer up um, at in the future segments in the show before the end of the show um, or you can visit um, our profile on social media platform page and the email address is there so we're talking about post-pandemic reconnecting up now that we're vaxxed and the CDC's latest um, uh, advisement about vaccinated folks not needing masks indoors or outdoors. So we are celebrating our liberation and freedom. But guess what? We are now going to be able to measure just how much of an effect um, our mental has uh, been impacted by the pandemic and all of that quarantining and shutting in and being isolated and cut off etc etc and we should feel okay about being vulnerable so Elon Musk does something completely unscripted and against his alpha-ish profile he goes on SNL and does, in Elon fashion, a confessional, telling everyone, and I do mean everyone, he is living with a mental impairment called Asperger's. And there are some acronyms for it and all that, which is, you know, kind of, it is relevant. And if you are um, a medical professional, health professional, you are familiar with that and can appreciate the appropriate acronyms and et cetera, et cetera. But 
All the media could do next day, I noticed some media outlets uh, and several after is point out, oh, wait, he wasn't accurate in saying he was the first SNL host to have mental issues. The fuck? You hear in the bit, he also says, maybe the first to admit it, inference being just in case he isn't the first. Nah. Some voyeurs fact-checked a flaw when they should have fully lauded this man. He is Elon fucking Musk. White billionaire who says, look, I ain't perfect. But the message is, if I can do it with challenges, so can use. And by the way, do you know how much public speaking Musk has done over the years? Conferences, talks, big venues, not so big venues, small stages... I am so shy I couldn't say my name straight without an anxiety attack. Seriously, <clears throat> my first attempt at a podcast, it's just me in the room talking into a mic. But all I can think about was maybe the, you know, who's going to be listening to this, blah, blah, blah. I was so nervous. And I, there wasn't even an audience to be nervous about. But some media platforms got the message right. Most didn't and it sucks. Because here was a moment where true change could have gone into hyperdrive. Instead, it was somewhat pissed on by attempting to change the real point. And I hope that is what Elon intended to convey. He is an overachiever. He is exceptionally successful. He is white. He is willing to out his flaws. Not as a, not as a grandstanding show of Alpha S, but as a very strong sense of vulnerability and that being vulnerable is fucking okay so long as you do not allow it to cripple you and what you are able to achieve and accomplish. Let's take a hydrate break. Everyone thought I'd fail and that I couldn't be both a mom and start a company. I was four months pregnant when I quit my job to reinvent the vitamin industry. My mom thought it was the hormones. She couldn't understand why else I'd want to waddle all over Silicon Valley with a huge belly, trying to raise money, pumping in the backseat of Uber pools, surrounded by male entrepreneurs. It wasn't the hormones. I believe that women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. And when I realized a clean, effective vitamin for women didn't exist, I decided to make it myself. Half of all Americans take vitamins daily, but what are we actually taking? PVP, polyethylene glycol, hooves, animal skin, sheep's wool, parabens, artificial colorants, talc, titanium dioxide, mineral oil, and shellac, which is a delicate way of saying beetle poop. Who makes this stuff? And who decided it was okay for women to consume any of it? Oh, of course. It's a complete mess, based on outdated research from 50 years ago. Testing vitamins for women on men and rodents. Using caffeine to make you feel energetic. Riboflavin to make your pee turn bright yellow so you think it's working. And then pouring a ton of money into marketing, targeting women who are just trying to do the right thing for their bodies and have no idea they're being sold a product that could harm them. I met with companies that have been making vitamins forever and asked, do any of you even know where your ingredients come from? Nope. Do they have to smell like rotting fish? The more I learned about vitamins, the more I was filled with a sense of, oh, hell no. 
I was one step away from being a full-blown vitamin conspiracy theorist. The people making these products definitely didn't have our health in mind. Do we really need to take a vitamin? Turns out most women are lacking nine essential nutrients, but common multivitamins typically have 20 to 40 unnecessary ingredients, often in forms we can't process, or such high dosages that our bodies become harmfully overloaded. We need vitamins, but we need a better vitamin with clean ingredients and healthy dosages. So I tracked down this guy, Dr. Luc Bucci, rat dad, French bulldog father, jazzercise enthusiast, World War II naval warship connoisseur, and one of the world's leading vitamin experts with over 32 years of experience in the nutraceutical industry. I was like, hi, I'm Kat. Please quit your job and help me make a vitamin that you'd actually want your wife to take. And he was like, yeah, let's do this thing. It's pretty, right? It smells good too. Minty. But most importantly, we only use those nine essential nutrients women don't get enough of in their diet. We scoured the world for the highest quality ingredients in the best forms that all of our bodies can actually use, backed by clinical studies and research. D3 from wild harvested lichen, methylated folate from Italy, omega-3s from the same algae that NASA uses in space, from suppliers with the same mission, made by skeptics for skeptics, for label readers and conspiracy theorists, for Dr. Luke's wife and for me. I don't like that people automatically assume to say, oh, you're, you're a victim, like you're just playing the victim card. No, we're asking you as a nation, as a society, to have a conversation. Oftentimes, you know, when we talk about these issues, you know, some people, you know, they feel uncomfortable. You know, they, it's, they're not easy issues, but I feel like if you feel uncomfortable, I feel like there's definitely something there to be talked about. Everybody says, like, why is this happening in today's age? Well, yeah, yeah because we didn't address it, and, and now we're, we're here. Well, plus we have the ability to give people microphones now. Yeah. We have the ability yeah. to give people a voice that didn't have it before, because now the internet exists, and I can yeah. record something in my home and say, hey, this is what it's like to be a woman, or at least mm -hmm. my version of what it is to be a, a woman. But we didn't have that 20 years ago, so right. the only people that were having a voice were the people already in power. So yeah, like, right, yeah. now that somebody's there to listen, right? maybe these people have actually been expressing their concerns for decades and decades and we didn't notice it because nobody was there to listen. I think facts are facts. Like we're talking about our experience because they are factual. And mm -hmm. I think that this idea of victimhood is from your point of view, right? It's like if I come from a point of view that it's never going to get better, that this is always going to be terrible, then sure, there could have a victimhood ring to that. Just as simple as an Asian man to say, you know what, people don't get body shamed. You know what, black people are treated fairly. I can say that because I'm not living through those shoes. So when I see comments like that, it just kind of speaks to me that we need more dialogue. Because most of the times, you know, like you said, denial is a pretty powerful thing. For me personally, as an Arab, I think my culture is constantly attacked. So I feel the need to, you know, express that yes hi i am arab and i'm not trying to be a victim but i'm also i'm just trying to show people that other example that exists the world is really just a giant collection of stories yeah. waiting to be heard Ooh. by somebody great point Ooh, that's great. and we're not victims at all what we're asking mm -hmm. people to do is is talk about it mm. talk about the fact that there's differences that aren't just intrinsic in our own culture that they permeate the way of life. 
we're going, going, gotta pay the bills and take care of the kids. Or if you're younger, you know, I gotta get ahead of my career. I gotta, it's hard, really hard to make the time to sit down and have a conversation with people different from you. It's very powerful and I, I really would love more of this in my life and I, I wish this for, for more and more people. I love that we are literally strangers and we all just sat down <laughs> and like kicked it out. And we all, different ethnicities, you know? So imagine the millions when they do the same thing, how much we will be great. You're gonna make it happen, Oshan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it started right here. Yeah. Yeah. In the monologue of um, the Another Look Take Two pilot show, in case you missed it, pull it up on your podcast platform of choice or go to Add Another Look Take Two on Mastodon and click it to listen. I said we need to stop saying to ourselves about those with whom we do not have a blood tie or connection. You are a stranger, therefore I owe you nothing. The audio introing into this segment punctuates my point perfectly. Bonus does for the previous segment also because i know some of you are gonna say cry me a river bitch here they go again always the victim that's the problem right it's the excuse we use most often to justify why we can't or won't sit down with others to discuss we'd rather see each other as different you got your issues they're not my issues they could never be my issues you cannot ever see or experience things the way I see and experience them. Fair points, even while altogether untrue, Difference Maker is holding the mirror up to our face and saying, am I wrong? And being brave enough to admit the truth. Yeah, I could do better. Then the fortitude to invite and invoke change, which requires me to do something. Engage, talk, share. Confess, listen, listen, listen. And that's just the appetizer. When the main course is served, I have got to empathize, which should then cause me to begin dialogue with you on how we collectively can make it better for all of us. Wow. So I got over me a little more during pandemic. Now that things are beginning to shift, Shift towards a new normal, strives to exercise my newfound realizations must be made. Won't be easy, but made easier with graduated steps. I have been independently single for nearly 10 years since my husband has. There have been no long-term commitments. I have enjoyed my solitude by choice. It is safer. It is liberating. It is unhealthy. Why? Because it becomes a crutch not to engage. And that is something that only the pandemic, if we are being honest with ourselves, should bring about. The real real. Because let's do be honest. You can be surrounded by folks and still have an overwhelming sense of being absolutely alone. Quarantined with significant others doesn't make you the luckier ones. If someone among you feels isolated, so now, coming out of being shut in, how do we connect up with those on the outside? It has to be better than it was before, or what we went through will have been all for naught. 
I must have done work on myself and refill the vessel with wholeness in order to re-engage again with humanity in a way that will move us forward as one. My golden rule is based on the golden rule. No prejudgment. Evaluate every man or woman, not by outward appearance, but on their acts. It is all about what we do and don't do. Agree? What do former President Bill Clinton, Bill Cosby, and Governor Andrew Cuomo of the state of New York have in common? Obvious answer is fruit rolling around on the ground at base of the tree. Not far between each piece are the seeds of yesterday. These men all have in some way made life better for people of color and were are poised to elevate that capability. So is it no marvel that all three of these men had their good works obscured by sexual misconduct or allegations thereof? Perhaps it is more so the low-hanging fruit which falls so easily into hands of those who wish not that us black and brown folks get to too far ahead of ourselves, they would say. But in the heart of hearts, it is really too far ahead of anyone else. We must turn off the noise, view news with a filter set to truth, be willing to dig for the whole story put in perspective and context. Only then do facts issue forth in concentrate. Another look take two on air weekly starting May 9. So let's continue that theme, reducing loneliness during a pandemic. Joining us now, Dr. Jackie Kinley, a psychiatrist who also teaches at Dalhousie University's Medical School in Halifax, and Riaz Medji. He was a broadcaster and now the author of the new book, Every Conversation Counts, where he helps people overcome loneliness and build deeper relationships with others. Thanks to both of you for being here. And Dr. Kinley, first to you, your reaction to, to that story. Well, first of all, I was just I was just saying, you know, I find just Myrtle's story is very touching. She's she's kind. She's caring. You can really feel the you know, she 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 wants to attach. And I don't think her story is a is a is a sort of singular one. It really speaks to the hunger uh, of, of, of the number of people that want to sign up for this program, which is so fabulous and how it bridges those differences. You know, we make assumptions about other people, appearances sort of at face level, you know, just the conversation about, you know, the genes. And I just thought it was so touching. I mean, I think. Um, giving folks an opportunity to, to recognize that they're 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 more similar than they are different, and we all need the the connection. We need the warmth. We need the belonging. I I, I just thought it was a beautiful story. Yeah, and of course, loneliness is not just something that seniors are are dealing with. I want to play a couple of clips from some younger viewers. What they had to say. It's just become increasingly difficult to distract myself. Um, from how lonely I am, um, you know, when it comes down to like a day or a week, that's easy. But when you're talking about months or maybe longer than that, it just wears on you. I am typically somebody who loves staying home, but this year has certainly been a different experience. I miss connecting with people in real life. I live alone and I'm experiencing a new university program studying virtually from home. Video chats are a really good substitute, but they're no replacement for the actual live connection. Mm. Riaz, you've been helping people overcome loneliness before the pandemic, but, but, but since it began, how have things changed? 
I'm really glad you brought in, Ian, the, the younger demographic and the focus here. I mean, the health research firm Cigna focused on the fact Generation Z, age 18 to 23, is the loneliest generation in America. And there's this great paradox with loneliness that many of us can experience it, yet many of us experience it alone because we feel shame. We feel embarrassment, and it's so important. If there's one silver lining of the pandemic, it's being open with this vulnerability that we're feeling it, so then we can find ways to work through it. Dr. Kinley, mm-hmm. I see you nodding through all of that. Why don't you jump mm-hmm. in? Well, you know, um, I think that sort of this generation, I think it's so true, is that connecting with other people is paramount for them. They learn through their peers, they connect, they grow. It's not just the physical, con- you know, it's, it, it's the emotional energy that says that nurtures us, right? And so I think this generation in particular, you know, it's it's a generation of hope. They're young. They want to connect. They want to reach out. And I think a lot of them feel ripped off. I not only hear the anger and the frustration, I feel the sadness and the fear. Um, and, 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 and I think this generation has, first, even before COVID, the environmental angst and all of the things that they were feeling, um, this is very, very difficult for them. A big question to both of you, and I'm only going to give you each a minute to answer it. Uh, Riaz, I'll I'll begin with you. Uh, Advice for people who may be watching this at home, feeling lonely, wondering how they can address it. Two things that stand out. One, if we're using technology, creation over consumption. How we can use technology to create more face-to-face instead of passively eavesdropping or mindless scrolling on social media feeds that can alienate us or lead to a sense of inadequacy. And if we're creating that face-to-face, and right now we rely on video, this will amplify the level of emotion. That's what we need now, these emotional check-ins of what are you grateful for? What's the experience that taught you something this week? What are you looking forward to? These are the types of check-ins that are gonna help lift people up. Dr. Kinley? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I would also say that it's not just about connecting with others, but it's about connecting with oneself. And I really do think that we sort of live in a generation where we've lost touch with ourselves, with our kind of moral compass and our purpose and, and all kinds of things. And, and, and the capacity to be alone is the capacity to be with oneself. And, you know, Riaz spoke to shame. I think there's so much. Am I not worthy? Why don't people want to be, what's the future going to be like? I think people get caught in these traps. And, and, and I think kindness, compassion passion, not just to others, but to oneself, uh, is so important, getting to know oneself. And Dr. Kinley, what about the connection between loneliness and mental health? What are you seeing? Well, you know what? It's not the cutoff, I think, that is the issue. It's not the loneliness. It's the reaction to it. So loneliness in and of itself makes one feel empty and sort of lost. But it's when people get angry, when people get scared, when people get sad. You know, the anger is the suspiciousness and all of that kind of stuff. The fear leads to anxiety and the sadness leads to depression. It's not being able to deal with the emotions that are associated with the loneliness that causes the difficulty. So it's... The emotional capacity. People are having a trouble grieving. They're having a trouble working through their feelings. And that's why we're having so much difficulty. Loneliness in and of itself is one thing. It shouldn't necessarily drive symptoms. The fact we're, dri- we're seeing symptoms is because people can't deal with the emotions that are coming as a result of feeling cut off. Well, really nice talking to both of you. And I should say, before we did the interview, Dr. Kinley said she read <laughs> Riaz's book just yesterday, Every Conversation Counts, and gave it two thumbs up. So that's a pretty good uh, endorsement. <laughs> Thanks to both of you. It's very Thanks, good. Doctor. Okay, so Gen Z, most impacted? Um, not sure I agree in totality. Um, 
seniors, aka boomers, may have experienced um, similar mental duress, if not more severe mental duress. But I honestly think it is no respecter of persons. The unmarried can be of any age, and our society is traditionalized to see a family unit as husband, wife, kids, pets. What if your household is like mine, a unit of one? Doesn't mean you don't have family members, but it means you're not under the same roof. The pandemic isolated the units of one. That could be age 20, 50s, or 70 years old. And if we don't have the lifeline of close-knitness that have become more rare, that has become more rare, um, we're, because we're all just so busy, then lockdown because of COVID pretty much fucked us slow, didn't it? When we come back from our hydrate moment, we'll chat with a lovely about their quarantine experience. Back in two. How is your money used behind your bank? Big banks like Wells Fargo and Bank of America collectively put $2.7 trillion towards fossil fuel since 2016. That's more than all the money in circulation in the United States. It's enough to spend a million dollars a day for over 7,000 years. With Aspiration, your deposits never go to fossil fuels. And ways to plant trees with every purchase and offset your carbon footprint are built right into your account. And that's just the beginning. You are listening to Another Look Take Two, a podcast hosted by me, Rachel Wilson. We are on weekly, but you can listen anytime on your preferred podcast platform. Just search for the show, Another Look, Take Two, or click it from show's social media at Another Look, Take Two. That's the number two at Mastodon.online. We have a treat for you. I am talking to Saba, and I have to intro her as the intern you dream of having someday. Saba and I got matched during my short stint with Community Radio. We produced a week of shows together whose main producer was out of town at the time. Saba's a very busy senior at U of A, University of Albany, and that is Albany, New York. Big ups to the great state of New York. Coming back, baby, post-pandemic. But she agreed to stop on in and chat with us for a few minutes. But thank you for taking time out um, to join us and our listeners. And even though we only got to produce a few shows together, I can say you are my mold for what I want in all interns going forward. <laughs> for, <laughs> thank you. For, for real, you have an eye for mm-hmm. seeing the best in the team, individual by individual. And I don't know if you actually knew that I peeped that, but I did. So mm-hmm. um, let's just dive right in. Um, my show this week is about uh, mental impacts of COVID, the stuff that we kind of don't want to talk about because we haven't really gauged um, what all the impacts of being quarantined and all of that good stuff has had on some of us. And I remember one of the shows we did together um, on community radio, um, you touched, you did a very good segment on addressing mental health, which I thought was awesome. Um, right. What was what yeah. was yeah, what was going through your head at the onset of COVID? Um, at the beginning, I was just very taken aback about, I mean, obviously this was like a new thing for all of us. It was yeah. like we were all like together, the world had to go through this one thing. And 
although like it did connect us obviously there's like inequalities within it as like different people like people of color are affected differently and it was just impacting everybody um so differently but at the beginning it was just a huge shock to me Um, yeah when yeah like when classes went virtual um I was actually disappointed because I didn't want to be staying home with my siblings and I thought it was temporary but I did not know that this would be come to the extent that it did. Right. I think it took, we all, like you said, were sort of blindsided. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was a lot of unknowns and uncertainty. And we we're all like, you know, what the, you know, that, yeah. that, I guess that's the mode yeah. we all were in. It was like, what the, and then it was just like, okay, you sort of just go into this emergency mode, you know what I'm saying? Where And that just, Stayed, you just stayed there for a minute. Um, so you mentioned you were and you weren't isolated. So you did have family um, that you were able to quarantine with um, once you went virtual for for classes. Yeah. So I have three younger siblings, and then my parents both had to work from home. So I did have like I wasn't alone entirely. Right. So that, right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, do you, what's your relationship status, if you don't mind me asking? Are you, Did you have a boyfriend at the time or do you no. have a boyfriend? Okay. Well, oh, yeah. that helps, right? <laughs> I guess in a way, yeah, because you don't have to have that anxiety of not being able to be with each other while you're right. quarantining, blah, 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 all yeah. of that good stuff. Did the mm-hmm. pandemic change um, the relationship with your family? Did you get closer? I know there were some, for some people I've talked to and for myself in particular, because I was actually isolated for a time. At the beginning, I actually I went home because, you know, if you live away from where you grew up, um, because it was so uncertain, I think a lot of us said, let's go home, let's be around family. Right. And so that's what I did for a while until we started to learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So um, how did your the family dynamic change for you? I think um, at first it was great because we were all together. We could, like, after, like, a class is done, we can all, like, meet up and, like, talk with each other. But Mm -hmm. definitely after, like, the first two weeks, like, when we realized this was going to be a longer thing than the period of time uh, we originally thought, we definitely grew um, very irritated with each other. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so it it was very hard. to get along um so yeah no unfortunately I would say that we did not get close there because it was yeah. hard when you're sitting all in one household and like we obviously couldn't get out so that social interaction with like our friends we were just yeah we, right. we got annoyed with each other for sure yeah as will happen you know what I'm saying because it's like every bad habit gets you know elevated times a yeah. hundred you know and you sort mm-hmm. of like learn to I guess you sort of maybe learn or relearn how to live with each other um that's pretty much what it has sort of forced um many of us to do when we are isolating with family members and as I mentioned I stayed with friends back home um at the onset of it and just you know just you know it's sort of like for a minute you you're all um, bonded together because you don't know what's going on what's happening but then right. as we begin to learn a little bit more about what this was and what may be required of us, you know, that's when we start to sort of relax a little bit and then you're isolated and so everybody's bad habits are, you know, coming out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's yeah. normal, actually. That's normal. Yeah. 
but um, mm-hmm. how some of us have, you know, like you said, there have been disparities across the board where maybe, you know, some people were unsafe, you know, with whom they're living with. And that's some of the issues that we have yet to realize how much of an impact it actually has on um, other people whose situations may have been different. Um, are, you re- are you relieved now that you're vaxxed, though? Yes, I was so grateful. I remember when I got my first, when I got both shots, I mm-hmm. like I know there's there's a lot of symptoms with the second dose if you got mm-hmm. um, Pfizer or Moderna, but I just remember um, like trying not to like burst out in tears. Like that was like my yes. first reaction to yes. it. Like I can't believe like it's such a privilege for me to be able to be getting the shot right now when there are you know other countries who are just struggling and would do anything. Yes. So, absolutely. Yeah, very the, I was the same way. I got the Moderna, mm-hmm. and the first shot, I didn't have any symptoms. The second mm-hmm. shot, I had some mild um, symptoms, but nothing that was like, you know, freaked me out or anything. But yes, I mean, it was just like I'm sitting there, and I was like, I, I was just so grateful, you know. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand what, you know, some people what are going through some people's minds of not wanting to get the vaccine, especially now that we're seeing what's going on in India. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And it just breaks my heart because, mm-hmm. you know, I can only imagine if they were able to get, um, you know, the vaccinations in large number, that they would be lining up. You know what I'm saying? The attitude exactly, would probably yeah. be different, you know, as far as mm-hmm. number of people ready to get vaxxed. You know, <laughs> just please give me the shot. Yeah. So, yeah, the vaccine hesitancy in this country. Like, I'm, I'm just, it shocks me. I, the, yeah. it, it has to be such a privilege to be able to say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable getting the vaccine. Like, right. I understand the concern, but at the same time, like, the science backs it up. And, like, you, it's, exactly. I mean, we're in a pandemic. Like, it's, it's insane. And I wonder if we were still sort of in emergency mode, would, would the attitude change somewhat? Because I think that we got to a point where we were managing it better. And, you know, that sort of eased um, the urgency for those who were hesitant or just Mm -hmm. outright didn't want to take it. Um, When you think about New York and what was going on, because they were, you know, we were the first up here to see, you know, the the worst of it. If that was still sort of widespread across the country, would we be different? Would there be more people willing to take the vaccination? Mm -hmm. It just makes me wonder. I think that we are so sometimes more privileged, if you will, in America, mm-hmm. where we don't often, you know, go through, um, you know, the worst of things. And even though we were the worst at managing COVID, um, mm-hmm. now that we sort of are doing better at it, um, you know, it just doesn't make any sense that people are so hesitant to mm-hmm. do the things that will protect all of us, and especially those within your own circles and realms and whatnot. It just doesn't make sense to me either. Mm-hmm. But more um, are you, you know, I know you said that you were single, but mm-hmm. um, now that you're vaxxed and you're able to get out, we're able to go out and reconnect with people we haven't been with for a while. Um, how is reconnecting with others um, after post-quarantine, now that you're vaxxed, how is that going? You know, especially on campus, what's the feeling like? It's definitely, it's strange because obviously we're, we still have to wear masks and like social distance. Um mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, not like as so much anymore, but it feels so nice to be able to like physically sit down at a table with my friends. Yes, yes. I just that in-person social interaction, I didn't realize how much I um, 
cherished it until it was like taken away from me. Yeah. And um, like, it, yeah, you can FaceTime for hours, but even like the act of like sitting in a classroom amongst classmates and having your professor like in person lecturing to you, I really like, I have one class in person and mm-hmm. like the act of like just going to campus and sitting in the library, it's really helped me in terms of like mental health as well too. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, that, yeah. we're social creatures by nature you know we need to be with each other you know fans feel normal and that was that's sort of like my closing question um does it feel like old normal or new normal to you (laughs) because to me it feels it definitely feels new normal um ish in the sense Mm -hmm. that okay you know you're able to reunite with family able but it's different i think we're different now and I'm not sure if everyone feels that way. Maybe those who, you know, say I'm not going to get back don't feel, you know, feel the same way. But I just feel like we, we this is not, we can't go back. Do you kind of feel like yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I know because, like, they're saying they're going to, like, reframe the way, like, the office is situated, even, like, yep. the desk situation and everything. So it definitely is, like, a new normal because, you know, we're all putting on hand sanitizer. We're all, like, we turn our backs or turn our heads when, like, somebody coughs or sneezes. Yeah, I know. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we'll we be doing that for a while, you know. Yeah. We'll notice every sneeze, every cough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not how we perceived the flu season. Um, I don't know. And we're not even sure if this is going to be cyclical for us as far as, you know, watching um, COVID. Are we going to have to, like, at certain times of the year be more aware um, of, you know, sort of like not, you know, um, putting on the mask again, but maybe just in certain environments being more aware of, um, you know, surroundings of who we come in contact with, especially if we continue to see people um, in large numbers um, hesitant about getting vaccinated. Because I think that's the unknown right now, even though the right. CDC has relaxed some of the public health measures for vaccinated folks. If we don't right. see who's not um, vaccinated yet, those numbers change, then we probably are going to have to sort of like every flu season, you know, it's going to be a COVID season, you know, so, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, um, I just, um, just wanted to talk to different people about how they're doing as far as, you know, reconnecting and how it's been, you know, dealing with the stress um, as we were navigating COVID. And definitely sounds like you have weathered well. I think those who were able to um, isolate with family or friends or with significant others, um, they, you know, maybe don't realize how good they had it because Mm -hmm. for those who were isolated, I think maybe fared a little bit um, not so good. I mean, I'm an independent person, and Mm -hmm. um, I am used to doing things by myself, but even I got, you know, like, you know, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, with being being with family, too, like I myself, like being in my room and just like, just seeing all the events happening with the news, I mean, obviously 2020 was, like, an awful year, and, like, yes. the number, like, it was just crisis after crisis, like, that really affected me, too, like, I, like, have never felt so, like, um, awful in terms of, like, mental health in, like, a mm-hmm. while, like, I could not concentrate in my classes, and it was, yeah. it was a tough time for me, it wasn't, it wasn't easy at all. Yeah. yeah. Talking about it is what's going to move us forward. And that's yeah. why I started this podcast. You know, let's talk yeah. about it. Let's admit 
you know, that we struggled, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for those yeah. of us, oh, I'm strong, you know, I, mm-hmm. I dealt with it, you know, no, no, yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't, mm-hmm. let's admit it, but, yeah. you know, it's okay, and it's okay, it's okay, you know, so, mm-hmm. Saba, thank you so much, I know you're a busy girl, busy college uh-huh. girl, I'm so happy that you got back, and you sound um, like you are just ready to get back out there, yeah. all, yeah. all the best to you, okay? And uh, at some point, I would love to have you back, okay? Yes, I would love to be on again. Thank you so much for having me. What year are you? Is this for you? I, so I'm a senior, but I graduate next year. I actually, I'm doing my bachelor's in two years, so I mean, I'm a senior, but like, technically, I would be a sophomore, so yeah. Uh, Gotcha, gotcha. Listen, have a great and wonderful weekend, all right? Thank you so much. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. New York State is no stranger to a challenge. And after a most difficult year, we are rising up stronger and building back better. Because when times are at their worst, our state is at its best. We are stimulating growth across the state, building up universities, opening up access to our waterfront, and revitalizing our downtowns for all New Yorkers. We're New York tough. So let's reimagine, rebuild, and renew New York together. I'm lonely. Can't take it all. What you gonna do? Gonna live my life. So slide over here and give me a moment. Your moves are so raw. I've got to let you know. I've got to let you know. So slide over here. jump in on that love language one time. There's different types of way to love, right? There's, there's verbal, acts of service, t- personal yep. touch. Right. Say it again. Acts of service and personal touch. I need that. Okay, I need you to explain. I just need my wife to touch me. Okay. That's it? <laughs> As I said it from the back. No, so touch. Um, like he looked at the camera. <laughs> he hopes you watch this. Uh, right. But, but yeah, quality time is one that's important to me. Yeah. Um, I I loathe when I'm having a conversation with somebody and they're texting because I know you're not giving me your undivided attention. Right. And yeah. I'm the type of person really, that will yeah. give you my exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm the type that'll give you my undivided. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing the same, then especially you know, significant I, other man. Oh, I do. absolutely. Okay. And then they pretend like they can hear everything you're saying, yeah. process it. That's impossible. Uh huh. No, I, I, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm listening. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Okay, you say, okay, 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 what now? So it's, it's, it's disrespectful. Yeah, right. And so that's something I've had to, my wife and I have, have had to work through um, since. Especially as a man, when your woman not talking to you, you like, your day can go bad. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows that. So like communication, I, I tell my, so when I, when I first got with her, I, I really told her, look, this is me. This is what I like in a woman. And I didn't sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. Because the games people play in relationships is too much sometimes. It's too heavy, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning, obviously. Mm-hmm. So what happens with that is when you're just honest and truthful with the person, it helps. So I communicated very well with her what I've been through, the type of girl that I like now, a woman, and 
where we can go if we just do this. And it's not controlling, it's just communication. Mm-hmm. So now if you know, if she's heard about something, she'll tell me, like, don't wait and until two weeks from now and be like, oh, I went through this. Cause at that at that moment, I'm not gonna care really. It's two weeks later. Mm-hmm. So we could talk about it, even even the best time to talk about some something sometime, believe it or not, is in your emotions. Because it can get height, like the height can go up of 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 how loud you communicate or how much mm-hmm. you argue, but something is going to get accomplished right there. Mm-hmm. But if you wait too late, it's not. It's going to be like, well, you know, at that moment I was just thinking about this and that. But if you talk about it when it's going on, I'm telling you, it, it will really help the, the the whatever the problem is. But sometimes people just shut down, yeah. and shutting down is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Period. I just communication, man, is everything. I think, I think that's part of the social conditioning mm-hmm. that some people have. You know, I I grew up in a um, in an environment where Certain problems are talked about. If that problem affects everybody, we talk about it. If it doesn't, then you don't talk about that. Wow. Um, and it's not that wasn't a rule. It's just that's just the way that it was. Now, I don't know all the five love languages because I, I feel like there are more than just five in the, the way that I love. I have this, I love making people laugh. You know, I know right now I may seem a little serious in this round table talk, <laughs> but I am the biggest nerd and goofball. I'm going to play pranks. I'm going to crack jokes. I'm going to tell you crazy stories. I'll tell you what happened in my day. My One of my love languages is making you laugh. Mm. Whether you're my, my best friend that I played college ball with, or if you're my little sister or my significant other. Also, I, I like physical I touch, but too much of it, it's like a cat. You know, you rub my cat, and after a while, they're like, all right. <laughs> that's enough you know it's, it's sometimes it can be a little too much um you know i you know i had um a rough time dealing with uh that wonderful creature, creature that we call a woman because mm. i didn't know how to understand her mm-hmm. so my love I language is like it's, mm-hmm. yeah you and you never will yeah, I'm going now, right. Right. Dude, I still don't. yeah and you never will Fine. because you are not not them you yeah. know it's like, I don't know what it feels to be seven and a half feet tall, and I never will because I'm not. But I'm just using a crude example. But, um, you know, one of my love languages, <clears throat> excuse me, is laughter. And communication is definitely key. I don't know mm-hmm. if these other love languages, so anybody out there, excuse me if I'm getting them wrong. I'm one who, who grew up with a lot of conformity and a lot of rules and a lot of stringent uh, guidelines. Mm-hmm. I, I am more uh, uh, having a more of an amoeboid type of uh, uh, approach to things. It's fluid. Like I'm more natural. Nature doesn't uh, yeah. go with rules and get stringent lines and angles and things like that. I like things to be fluid, which is why I communicate. And I can, to your point, Kay, um, sometimes being in your emotion. Love, love, love this. Nothing like being fly on the wall or elephant in a room or ladybug amongst group of guys. <sighs> so love language. I was introduced to the movement based on Gary Chapman's, Dr. Gary Chapman's book and concept by a former coworker. Let's call her Jules. She was such a sweetie. We shared our love conquests and losses over many lunch and breaks. My language is quality time. I'm like a Samoyed, my favorite breed of dog that I'm still hoping to have a twins pair one of these days when I grow up. (laughs) I gotta be with you to feel right. At the same time, I am wired uniquely as I will from time to time withdraw as an intellectual disappearing axe. I must do this in order to refuel and reset sometimes. 
I'm coming back. Just give me a minute, baby. Give me a minute. At top of the show, I shared my innermost from such a withdrawal period, which was longer than normal because of the pandemic. It is good to know that listening will be key in reconnecting, especially for units of one quarantiners. I listen to what some men like and say they want, as they will need to listen to us women. Don't get it twisted. Everyone should be treated well in their relationships. I would argue that men and women of color should be constantly and especially appreciated within their intimacies so that there is no room for doubt as to our value in transient worth as we are more often than not undervalued, misunderstood, taken for granted, at odds within construct of the systems designed to view us through a slanted lens. To me, it is simple math and chemistry. Pair up with the one who can give me what I am looking for. And I must be in state of heart and mind to do likewise. But for the universe who sometimes likes to wrinkle our great expectations, what if I fell in crazy, sexy, mad, deep love with that one? Sweet mother of all living. You have made your way through the follow-up to the pilot show of the of another look take two and i hope i didn't dump too much on yous come back next week for some more practical good shit build back better more pie argus chris cuomo and his let's get after it shows nah we don't have him booked what's your fave by the way mine's pecan and sweet potato nipping at its heels for the top spot more pie it's yours for the taking. Chat again soon.